You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash peerpleasure. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Check it out today. Welcome, Pleasure Seekers, to the Peer Pleasure Podcast on Adobe Radio. What's up, guys? This is Dewey. We are so glad to be here today on Adobe Radio. Uh, This is the Peer Pleasure Podcast, and this is our premiere episode here on Adobe. So if you're listening on Adobe, we're really glad to have you, uh, new listeners and old listeners alike. Um, This podcast started last year and has been doing really well. We've had a lot of awesome guests, a lot of old friends, uh, some people I've not met before. Uh, But this episode today is uh, a special one to me. It's with Nick Reinhardt from Terra Mellos. Now, I know a lot of you have heard of Nick uh, and his work with Pedal Tips and Tricks on YouTube. Uh, You've heard his just insanely whacked out guitar sounds uh, and music all over the place. Uh, Terra Mellos is on Sergeant House Records and uh, a pretty amazing band. So um, with the the new show coming out on Adobe, uh, it is going to be an hour long. So uh, anything extra will be aired on our iTunes feed, RSS feed, uh, like normal. Uh, But the Adobe uh, show you're listening to now, if it does go longer than an hour, it will be edited down to an hour. So always be sure to check up and uh, download on iTunes as well. Uh, for the full uh, unedited episode. Uh, the guys at Adobe are really cool, and, and uh, we're able to say whatever we want. So it won't be censored, uh, but it will be edited down. So uh, like I say, if you want to download the full version, you can always go to iTunes after the show airs and download it there. So we are on the peerpleasurepodcast.com. We are on Twitter. We are on Instagram. And we are on uh, iTunes and Stitcher. So uh, we're glad to have you listening to us on Adobe today. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get into the interview with Nick Reinhardt from Terra Mellos here in just a moment. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks for making the show what it is and hanging out with us every week. Um, Nick and I met uh, through the fall of Troy when I was touring with Portugal the Man. 
Uh, this was the So So Gangs tour. I believe it was back in 2006. Probably the coldest tour I have ever experienced. Zach and I both came down with a horrible viral infection in our chest, uh, coughing up blood, coughing up all kinds of things. Zach actually lost his voice for almost a month. He had a little tab of paper. He'd write down what he wanted to say on it. Um, and this made it really difficult to perform on stage and to load in and out through this insane cold uh, East Coast run. Uh, it was a full U.S. tour, but the East Coast was just blanketed with snow and ice. Um, you know, and I remember staying at people's houses or in hotels and just not wanting to leave, uh, worried about what the next day would bring. But we were having the funnest, if that's even a word, we were having the funnest time on the tour uh, maybe the funnest tour we ever did. Um, had a, an amazing time and getting to know the Terramellis guys and uh, getting to know the Fall of Troy guys as well. The shows were sold out. It was just insane. And uh, the Terramellis guys were really cool because they didn't drink. Um, they didn't really do anything. They didn't party at all. Um, they had a different drummer, Vince, uh, who was also awesome. He's not with the band anymore, but um, they were just a cool group of guys, really smart, really different perspective on things. And uh, that was really special to us to have, uh, have you know, before us every night um, and inspiring watching them play. I mean, they play like no one's business, and, and uh, you'll hear that here. I'll, I'll play some songs to uh, lead us into the interview and out of the interview. But uh, like I say, Nick, Nick from Terramelos uh, here on the Peer Pleasure Podcast. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, for those of you listening, this is Nick Reinhardt with Terramelos, well, a million different bands. Um, what were you working on yesterday? Uh, yesterday, I did um, I did an improv performance thing, a solo thing for uh, it was the the um, our label and manager's uh, owner's birthday. Her uh-huh. name's Kathy Pello, and she runs Sergeant House, and yeah you know, does a bunch of cool stuff. And so they, uh, some friends threw her a surprise birthday party at a venue, uh, here in Los Angeles. And so I did like a, I did like a, it was a short, I think actually, hold on. Let me look at my clock here. I played for 13 minutes and 16 seconds. Just solo. (laughs) I timed it. Yeah. Yeah. Just by (laughs) myself. But I mean, and not that something like that is, on my mind, but I hadn't done any sort of like free music uh-huh. for a really long time. Uh, it was all like a lot of, you know, structured stuff or whatever for the past few months. So to just like have a pedal board that was just sort of fun things and, you know, kind uh-huh. of like winging it, I hadn't done that for a long time. So that actually, in a way, was kind of, I was thinking a lot about it, even though I, I prefer to not think about stuff like that. I'd sure. rather it just be kind of like completely free and mm-hmm. free from you know, thinking about 
how it's going to go or whatever, but I, I kind of, I guess, was since it had been a while. So okay. that, that's what I did last night. Did you throw some pedals on your pedal board you'd never used before? Um, let me think about it. I did, and then I took those pedals off right before <laughs> I packed up the pedal board. Nice. <laughs> so I guess in that way, it was a little less of like an, a true improvisation because uh, I kind of knew a little bit about what was going to happen uh-huh. on it. You know, like, I guess it's never, when I do stuff like that, I guess in a way it's never completely free, even though I like, like to think it is, I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, like before I, like maybe a few hours before I at least am thinking about like how I would start it. Like, oh, I'm going to start it with some weird blip sounds and some like kind of glitchy things that will be very non-musical and Uh that will be a way that I could start it as opposed to literally just like sitting down and grabbing a guitar and going. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it's like 99.9% free, but, um, yeah, last night I'm trying to think it was, it was pretty much actually, you know what? There was something new I did last night. I had two loop pedals going. Okay. And like maybe people would, that are somewhat familiar with like my pedal board or whatever would probably guess. Oh yeah. He does the thing with, does he must have done two looper pedals before but i actually not in this capacity so that was a first for me interesting okay i would have thought so too and i've seen a lot of your pedal board in person and and on the internet and and uh i i thought you had multiples like i guess you maybe had multiples but weren't using them for loops like the boomerangs and the dl4s and well yeah I, i mostly use um dl4s and then i've well, I have used a uh, a Digitech, their like delay looper thing, which uh-huh. is just like a single pedal um, that you can't really do much with as far as looping goes, other than just recording and having it play back. Mm-hmm. But um, I just in the last probably three months, I purchased a couple uh, additional DL4s, which I've never had more than one DL4 because okay. they're expensive. Yes, and they are. They they happen to crap out a lot, mm-hmm. so. Um, I actually, it was funny. I had found like a guy on Craigslist that was selling two modded DL4s uh-huh. with, uh, you know, that is like the switch mod that makes them so they don't kind of like crap out as easily the switches. Yes. They poke and, through the actual chassis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and this guy, he was selling two and they were, like they were kind of painted up in a way that maybe looked a little similar to what mine looked like. Uh-huh. And I was like, huh, I wonder if this guy would like, you know, I wonder if he's like, that's kind of like if he painted them cause maybe he saw mine or something. Uh-huh. Not, not to say that I'm the only one that paints his pedals or whatever, but it was just done up in a way that looked like it could be, Yeah, you know? So it's funny. So like I, I wrote him, you know, and we kind of went back and forth, but there was no, there was no, obviously I'm not going to be like, Hey dude, my name's this and I play in this band. Uh-huh. What's up? You know, <laughs> like I'm just kind of like going for it. And so like I went and met him and it turned out it, like he was familiar with our band or whatever. And actually he was like, turns out he was in a band that we played with, I don't know, somewhere sometime years ago but anyways i ended up getting two more deal fours for a good price i think the guy even gave me i bought both of them he was selling Uh two and i got them both and he gave me a good deal probably because i don't know maybe he knew the band or whatever it was but point being 
I got two more DL4. So right now I have three of them. And nice. I, it's, I don't think I've ever, ever had more than one at once. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So actually last night was the first time where I was like, okay, I can, you know, looks like I have enough power supplies to power all this shit up. So, yeah. and I found the, the correct adapter for the DL4. So let's just try it. <laughs> so, um, so in that way, that was actually like a first for me, like having two actual DL4s going at once as opposed to like one DL4 or a DL4 and some other type of like looping machine, mm-hmm. you know. Sure. So it was, yeah, it was cool. Have you ever looked into endorsements with Line 6? Because uh, you've got a good so, following on YouTube with your pedal videos. I mean, you think they'd be approaching you by this point. Um. So... We when we went on when Terramellis went on tour with Minus the Bear uh-huh. a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, man, when was that? That was maybe between three and four years ago now. Dave Knutson, well, and, and Jake, I guess all those dudes in the band um, used DL fours, you know. But yeah. Dave, Dave was like one of the first people to actually use it in the like the sampling way that now is like very popular. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it was maybe the whatever. I think the the second minus the bear record, like I had heard, maybe in like 2005 or whenever the second one came Is that out, the Celoso one. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and and he was the first person that I heard using it in a different way other than just looping it. Because like when we were a band, and probably I, well, I guess when I toured with you, we were a three piece. Yep, uh, and I I did. Yep, I had a DL4 by that point. But mm-hmm. when um, when we made our first record, I didn't have one. Our other guitar player had one. But um, so, anyways, we are on tour with Minus the Bear, and like you know, those guys like obviously he's kind of like one of the kings of the DL4. Yeah. Well, he he was like, or he is the dude that uses them. They, like I think he may even use like he may always have two on his board, but obviously there's backups and stuff and at one of the shows, it must've been like in the LA show or something like someone from line six came and delivered those guys, like a fresh stack of DL fours. And my mouth was just watering. It was insane. (laughs) Like, Holy shit. In fact, like they had even had one that like, I think had maybe like just gone down on them or something or whatever. It wasn't as fresh as these ones. And they just gave it to like a fan. They're like, here, you want this? Sure. Here you go. And you know, I was like, Oh my God, that's like insane. They, yeah. th- these guys just have mountains of DL fours, which they need them because they use them a lot. Yeah. So actually, um, so Dave, you know, and then like we become buds and you know, like, like each other's playing and stuff. And uh-huh. so Dave's like, Oh, let me hook you up with deal fours or, uh, with line six. So to make a long story short for about, was at least two years. I was like emailing back and forth with line six people. Uh-huh. And like, it was going nowhere. Like, really? I think for two NAMS, which is whatever the music convention, yes. the gear convention uh-huh. thing, for for two years of damn, I would go to the booth, the Line Six booth, and just kind of like sheepishly wander in there, try and find the person that I was emailing with, and uh-huh. you know, it just it was just very circular. Like, okay, yeah, let's start an email thing going. Like, okay, well, I've been emailing you for a year, you know, and all this stuff, and I finally got to a point where it was like, um, they had a new amp out 
and they're like, well, the DL4 is like a really old thing. We're still obviously like it's still being manufactured, but we we're not our, the company is not focused on the DL4 anymore. We're focused on this Bluetooth amp or whatever. Yeah. And it was like, so what do you think of that? And I was like, uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to think about a Bluetooth amp. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, <laughs> I like the amp that I play. You know, and, and but I was down. I was like, man. Like, because I have one DL4 right now, and, like, it's not in a very great place, it might be worth it to do this, you know? And so, again, long story short, it just went nowhere, you know what I mean? Like, it never went anywhere, no matter how many times, like, I push for it or whatever. I'm like, dude, not to be whatever, but I think, like, I have probably helped them sell some DL4s, Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree. Like... I mean, I, I don't know, like, I don't know. Point being, like, I think I've, I think I've contributed to the, to them getting the, spreading the word about their pedal or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so that, I kind of eventually gave up on that. And then maybe in an email chain in like the last six months, somehow from Juan that I do the pedals, uh, yeah. videos with, Somehow, maybe like you know, I ended up on an email chain with someone from or a different person. Which uh-huh. you know, the thing with like these bigger companies that aren't like the boutiques, like Earthquaker or whoever. Yeah. Uh, a lot of those companies they change. Like, there's a lot of like power position changes often. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which I'm finding like now that I'm kind of like pay attention to it and talk to people from that world, and so there was someone new at line six and he seemed actually way, way cooler. And, you know, we wrote back and forth maybe once or twice, but that didn't necessarily like end up with anything concrete. Mm -hmm. And so the, the apex of this story is just, uh, in the last week, um, randomly that guy wrote me again from line six Uh to divulge emails or whatever, not anything secret, but it was like, he was like, Hey, we haven't spoken in a while and you know, I ran into one recently or whatever. And like, it'd be really cool to like talk some more about your DL4 usage or whatever. So point being (laughs) after like years of it, you know, and it's just funny that you asked, like finally someone has gotten like finally reached out to me Uh and said, Hey, we should talk. So, um, so that was pretty cool. I was like definitely like stoked on that because I, I, that that was one thing that I wasn't feeling too great about over the years. Like man, I, I like I really do love this pedal, but I'm like it kind of like is a bit of a bummer that you know I they won't acknowledge me and I, yeah. I'm not I don't care about that. I don't care about the reason I cared about it is because or I get. I don't care about it, but I do. And the reason I, I did at that point was because, you know, there's people on Craigslist selling their DL4s that are modded and mm-hmm. painted to look just like mine. Yeah. You know, that they exist. And if you like, whatever, someone I'm constantly getting tagged in this photo or that photo, like check out my pedal board. And like, actually, even just the other day, I, I had seen, um, I painted like a pedal for Earthquaker for um, a charity auction uh-huh. like a year ago. And someone had like, whatever like you know written my at name in a photo or something and was like hey check it out and i was like whoa is that mine like is that the one that i paint like are you the one that ended up with that pedal and they're like no no i just saw the one that you did so i did the same thing you know which i think is amazing i think it's really cool but 
also earth i'm very close with earthquaker and that uh-huh. was like really like fun to see whereas like line six was like oh man like i feel like i've i've contributed you know again i feel like i don't I feel like kind of embarrassed talking about it, but like, I feel like I've contributed maybe to the legacy of that pedal in a weird way. That, you absolutely I'm not trying to sound, have. I'm not trying to sound arrogant with that. Sure. And I would never think that except for the fact that I see it. It's like constant, yeah. you know what I mean? So anyways, so, um, it just, it, if nothing else, getting an email from the dude reaching out to me was really, really like nice to be acknowledged. Like, Hey, it'd be cool to like chat some more. Yeah. So, that's my like you know seven minute story about my <laughs> my work with uh, line six and them approaching me. So maybe it'll happen, and maybe I'll go through another few years of back and forths and land where I'm at. But yeah. so now actually I have three of them that are in working order. So it's not you know it's not like dire right now. Yeah. Well, awesome. And you so you just you just how was the Goblin Cock tour? That was something new for you, absolutely. Huh? Yeah, that was really good. Oh, my dog just ran out of my room to say hi. Hi, Dot. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was the other thing that um, I had done that was kind of consuming, like, my musical world was uh, I had never, well, I'd never really, like, played metal like that before. Uh-huh. Hold on, my dog's running around. Okay, got her. So, um, so Rob Crow had asked me i was i was trying to remember exactly when he had asked me about it and how it had gone down it may have been like even through a text message that was just like hey i got this goblin cock thing coming uh-huh. up you want to do it and i happened to have nothing going on at that time and like i just love rob crow so much yeah so was like yeah let's do it um and basically so before that tour of like for a month i just kind of like learned how to play that style of guitar it was a really weird tuning uh-huh. it's on weird bc rich warlocks you know yep. like it's it's a really kind of like oddball thing that i had was a bit of a challenge for me uh-huh. and like for basically for like almost a full month leading up to those shows i listened to nothing else music no other music except like this set that uh-huh. we played just so i could like fully understand how it all works you know sure. so it was it was great it was really cool um well, I guess one funny thing about it was like I had when I had driven down to San Diego to start like practicing with Rob and he has like an arsenal of these BC Rich Warlocks, but they're like they're like the ninety nine dollar ones. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The ones you find on Craigslist for like forty dollars. Sure. You know? And they, like he's I mean, he probably hasn't changed the strings on some of these guitars for ten years, you know, <laughs> when he first started the band. So, like, I, I had started learning the set on one of these weird, old, crappy warlocks and was just like, man, like, I don't think I, I can't do this, you know, or I, I can, but this is, it's not going to be fun because uh-huh. I'm going to be battling this, like, crappy Korean guitar wherever it was, you know, wherever it was made. I'm going to have to battle this every single night. Sure. So, my thing was, like, if you're cool with it, I think I'm just going to, like, try and, like, find a used one that's a little bit better. Uh-huh. You know, it'll be the same shape. It'll be a warlock. But if, as long as you're cool with it. And, of course, he was. Yeah. You know, like, he, he didn't care. I mean, it was important that it was a warlock shape. But, you know. So I uh, actually, just, like, in one afternoon, I just kind of, like, popped on Craigslist, found one. And I think it may have been in, like, Huntington Beach. Went and bought it at a pawn shop. 
it was I guess I think I got it for two hundred bucks, uh-huh. and it like had a Floyd Rose on it, and it was Japanese and played really really well. So I was stoked on that, but it was it wasn't set up great, and you know needed to be intonated for this weird ass tuning. Uh-huh. Um, it was maybe missing a couple pieces and like the saddles or something. So I actually went straight from the pawn shop, dropped it off at my friend Michael's house in Long Beach. He went through it. He had never really done like he's a he's a jazz master dude and he does like a lot of guitar teching and playing and stuff. And it's like, hey, do you think you might want to try and work on a warlock? You know, and so he he was up for the challenge. And so uh-huh. he got it playing like amazing. And so I ended up like learning or the rest or playing the rest of the set for whatever the last week or whatever it was on this, like actually really nice guitar. Mm-hmm. And my plan was like, you know, okay, I'll put whatever three or 400 bucks into this. And at the end of tour, I'll just sell it. And you know, that way, like I'll, I'll just sell it for what I got it for, and you know, break even on it. And actually by the end of tour, I was like, man, this guitar plays so nice and is like a pretty good, guitar for this style of stuff and sounds good and all this cool there's all these neat things about it so i actually ended up hanging on to it nice just because i was like yeah you know there there might be another point in time where i i could use a bc rich warlock you know (laughs) and also like and what i'm gonna sell it for 350 bucks and then what's that that's gonna be like Mm -hmm. a third of my rent or whatever yeah like yeah i would rather like not just piss away a, a cool guitar for rent and just hang on onto it if i ever need it for something you know sure that's so, hilarious that's a, that quote right there <laughs> there may be another time where i need a bc war bc rich warlock i don't think has ever been said in the history right. of music i know but well, that is amazing mean, yeah like even if i i've always you know had it in the back of my mind that maybe it would be cool to do like a metal project uh-huh. in but like done in a interesting way you know so like that I already had kind of like the wheels spinning, like, Hmm, what could I do with this BC Rich? You know, there's gotta be something neat that I could do with it. That would be a little less obvious than a metal band. And, yeah. and Goblin cock is not an obvious metal band either. Go- actually like, you know, Goblin cock is like a, like he writes really interesting stuff, uh-huh. you know, uses cool chord progressions and a cool tuning and sings instead of screaming or, or whatever, you know, yeah. but like if, if people aren't familiar with Goblin cock, they should definitely check it out. Don't be afraid of the name. Yeah. <laughs> the damn rules, he dude. Some, yeah. He does yeah. some pretty cool stuff under that uh that moniker. Well, Terramelos, I mean, it was didn't you tell me that means monster music roughly in uh is that what it I what, don't, was it you or Nate who was telling me that? You know, I don't really remember. Like we've said so many different things over the years of what that band name means uh-huh. that I don't like kind of doesn't mean anything okay. anymore. <laughs> I was going to say that could open the door for a metal record. With yeah, the same band name. That's but, true. Oh, that's true. And just call it yeah, monster I mean, music. Like, <laughs> basically, anytime someone like has asked us that over the years, like we've basically just lied. So <laughs> that bastard. That probably means Nate just fucking lied to my face. Yeah. So it's basically been about ten Damn years it. of lying about the band name, but the, at least you say it correctly. Yeah. Terra Mellos. Yeah. Mean, well, we spent been, it's a good amount of time together, man. That was, yeah. That yeah, was so true. fun. So to clarify for the listeners, uh, the So So Gangs tour that I've talked about with uh, Andrew from Fall Troy and Thomas from Fall Troy was with Portugal the Man and Terramelos and Fall Troy. And I think, was that Demira on that tour? Yeah. I don't remember. Yep. But it was. 
we had such a blast and all and we had never met you guys before we also hadn't met fall troy and they just kept saying how good terramelis is and we bring them out on tour whenever we can and so they did and we watched you guys the first night and it was like holy shit this is badass and so every night we'd watch you guys and uh it was just fucking chaos but it was it was calculated chaos which was so cool because watching you and nate together i mean just the groove you guys were in and you could just tell you knew exactly what you were doing the whole time even though it sounded yeah, like i remember really really improv kind of stuff it was very and then watching you warm up and stuff it's like this is he knows exactly what he's doing this is <laughs> yeah i remember those were the, like the days of like when we were having a lot of band practice like you know probably Let's see. What year was that? That was like 2006? 2007, I think. Uh, winter. Uh, it was not maybe it was 2006. It was winter. It was cold as hell. I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I do remember that. You're right. I remember that. I remember mm. going up to Buffalo and like I had never felt oh. like weather that was that cold. Yes. Um, but I was going to say that would have been like, I think that was probably like the first tour we had done uh after like being becoming a three-piece uh-huh so i remember there was a lot of band practice at that time i mean mm-hmm. we always like had a lot of band practice but um like probably four times a week like i would drive like a half hour up to nathan's house uh-huh and then we would hop in his car and drive like another 45 minutes up to vince's house uh-huh and like you know we're doing that basically as much as like we could fit into one week you know Mm -hmm. so and it was like okay well we lost the guitar player how do we make this cool i think that was uh well that that tour was the when we had released the little drugs to the deer youth ep yep um so that was like that first like unveiling of what the band was going to sound like without four people you Mm -hmm. know and so I just remember that, like, like I said, we were probably doing a lot of like practicing to see to like make it solid before, like, you know, instead of like, oh, let's just wing it and like go out there and like play these songs and maybe in like over the the course of the next six months they'll get nice and tight, yeah, and, and different sounding. I think we wanted to like expedite that and just like practice as much as we could. And like probably if you go and look at those videos, I mean. Like you're you're probably remembering it a little bit more tight than it was. Although I, I mean, because I think that era of the band was like sloppy, but like ending and like on like on a dime together, you know. Yeah. So there was like almost like I don't want like a false illusion of being really tight, which we were, but like maybe everyone was kind of off in their own little world of like playing notes and like doing all these weird things, but like we, we all could end together mm-hmm. <laughs> or start mm-hmm. together or like have, you know, like if there was a pause, it was like kind of like instinct at that point of like when to come back in or whatever, you know, that was definitely yeah. like a, a cool, like a magical thing that the three of us had back then for sure. Sure. And that was, I mean, and then, um, that was that was such a a fun tour, and I remember you guys. You guys hadn't toured very much before that, I don't think. And I remember you guys didn't party much or anything like that. You guys were kind of like, "Well, we're gonna go to bed and and do whatever." And <laughs> and everyone was trying to get, "Come on, let's get Nick to get drunk or whatever." Like, no, 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 you know. And and uh, I always admired that too because I was like, "Man, 
these guys can hold on to this. They're going to go far. <laughs> They're not going to yeah. burn out. They're not going to, you know, because yeah. they were, those guys were into some crazy drugs. But yeah. the, you guys weren't, which was awesome and totally refreshing for me because I wasn't either. Yeah. Well, but, it was also like, well, no one ever like really was like into that stuff or like partying or whatever. It yeah. was just sort of like a dorky adventure to go on tour. It still is, you know. And uh, that was that was the first U.S. tour that we had ever done. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe the fall of Troy before that had like, well, what happened was um, we had played it like opened a parking lot with show with them in uh, in where was the pound? Oakland, uh, San Francisco. San Francisco is right Bay on the water area. there. Yeah. Yeah. Like we we played in a parking lot with them and, you know, just. We thought each other was cool. That was also in the MySpace days oh, yeah. where you were kind of like before, like when bands were still writing each other, like, hey, we should play together, blah, blah, blah. And I uh-huh. remember we probably had something like that going. And uh, so anyway, so we we wrote their booking agent. And, and well, you said we probably hadn't toured much, which I mean, relatively speaking, we hadn't. But we had done a lot of like DIY tours, uh-huh. you know, al- along the West Coast. And maybe I think we made it out to Texas and back a few times. So we had, but we hadn't done like a full U.S. tour. So anyways, after like probably a couple, I don't know, maybe two years of DIY touring, um, and we played the show the Fall of Troy, and we wrote their booking agent, and we're like, hey, uh, if they're, if that band ever goes on tour, like we would be down to open it. You know, mm-hmm. like we just, it was like a shot in the dark. We're like, hey, I guess they have a booking agent. Let's just write that guy and say that we're down to play with them, you know? And so we just sent that email off, you know, into space. And eventually that guy wrote us back and offered us a two week, like two week West coast thing that maybe went to like Utah and like Las Vegas. There was maybe, maybe like, you know, it was like maybe 12 shows or something. Uh-huh. And it's funny too. Cause I remember, um, the booking agent was like, yeah, we can offer you a hundred dollars, uh, you know, for the tour. Mm-hmm. And, um, or, or he he worded it in a way where we were like, I remember like Nate wrote him back and specifically said, "Wait, do you mean a hundred dollars per show or like a hundred dollars for the whole tour?" Because <laughs> at that point we didn't know like, whoa, like man, we've made a hundred dollars per show like on occasion, uh-huh. and we were like, "Holy fuck, we just got a hundred bucks for this show." You know, because at that point we were more used to just hopefully we get some money for the show Mm -hmm. that 10 people came to. And if you got 30 bucks, you were stoked. Yeah. You know, so and uh, the the booking agent wrote back and he said that you should never play a show for less than one hundred (laughs) dollars. So he's like, yeah, of course, it's for one hundred dollars per show. So that was that first tour we did. And then um, maybe that that probably went over well, you know, opening. We were first of three on that tour. Uh huh. I mean, back in those days, there was a lot of tours we were first of three on. And because we were just willing to like play anything we could, you know, mm-hmm. if a band wanted to take us out and we could play, play our music in front of people, then that's all that mattered. Even if like the music didn't necessarily make a ton of sense sometimes, which the Fall of Troy and Portugal stuff at that time did make sense. Yeah. That definitely helped like our band a lot to do those. So, yeah, by whatever, I guess that winter, whenever it was like we had gotten offered that tour to do to do a full u.s and that was the first time we'd ever uh done a full u.s tour so you know we were really prepared for it like i said with rehearsing and stuff and yeah not partying and just being like okay we're opening like it's 
you know, it's a privilege to do this. So let's just mm-hmm. try and make this as best as we can instead of like, let's get fucking drunk and uh, smash it or whatever. <laughs> you know, we were just like trying to be really responsible about the whole thing, I guess. Yeah. You know, not spending money. That was the thing. We like we we slept in the van a lot. I mean, I think we probably slept in the van in some of those like crazy harsh winter conditions. We still sleep in our van, by the way. But back then, and I remember because it was the thing, because Portugal would be like, hey, come share our hotel room with us, sleep on the floor. Or yeah. Follow a try or who, whoever, you know. So it was just weird. We were very responsible about stuff, not wanting to blow money on, you know, this or that, just trying to play as best as we could. Mm hmm. You know? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's something I really remember. I remember sharing hotel hotel rooms with you guys, and and that was always a blast. Cause we always had so much fun. I mean, that tour. I think. I mean, I don't know why. I don't think Demira ever ever fit in on that tour, and so it was always like the three of us, the three bands, and then they would show up. Every, you know, show up to the venue, and everyone would just kind of do their thing. But I think camaraderie wise, it was more centered around uh, you guys, Fall Troy, and us, as far as broing down and stuff. Everyone else seemed kind of standoffish a little bit, I think. Yeah. Um, if, yeah. If I remember right. But, you know, we would always have, you know, big hotel room, you know, piles of people everywhere, and especially in that cold weather, because, you know, we knew you guys weren't making much money. We weren't either. But right. at that time, compared to now, as you know, you've played with Portugal recently, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Compared to now, of course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But But, yeah, those were good times. Yeah. And and so you guys um shortly after I think we toured together, um Vince left, right? And then you had you got John? Um I don't want to say shortly after. Let's well, man, the timeline is weird. I'm uh, John knows probably like the exact dates and so i'm not going to get this right but i believe john joined our band in 2008 okay that's when i want to say we were because i was i remember this is kind of how i i this is how the timeline works in my head Mm -hmm. 2008 was also when i met zach hill and started playing with him and it was i can remember being at practice with him and talking about other drummers for my band. Yeah. Um, and I remember telling him, yeah, there's this, we were talking with this one dude in Texas and he, I think he said, Oh, is it John? <laughs> um, I was like, Whoa, yeah. Do you know him? And he knew who John was. Cause John was like a really big Zach Hill fan Yeah, and they were already friends or something. So, and I, the Bygones record that I made with Zach, I believe, came out in 2008. Uh-huh. So it makes sense to me that John, that would have been when we first started hanging out with John, because I remember actually rehearsing with Zach. And him saying that. So I, I'm pretty sure it was 2008 okay. that John joined. And yeah, if that Portugal tour was 2006-ish. Yeah, because, you know, and then, and then Vince stuck around and we did another EP after the drugs that your youth thing. Mm-hmm. So I believe that's the timeline. Okay. Some, some version of that, you know, like, uh, 2007 ish Vince quits. We look for a drummer for probably roughly, I don't know, like we, I think we took a year off. And so that must've been all of 2008 that we actually like didn't play. And then probably John joined around then. Mm-hmm. Started touring again in 2009, and then I think we made our next record in 2010. I okay. 
And then, so you got John in the band. How did that dynamic change things? Was it a smooth transition, or do you think it changed changed the band a little bit with not having Vince there? What's going on, guys? This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I want to tell you about our newest sponsor, DistroKid. DistroKid distributes your music across all online platforms. They are an amazing company. I've enjoyed working with them the last few weeks, and they're going to be with us for a while, and I really, really appreciate that. I love working with great companies, and DistroKid is one of them. Uh, They have an awesome thing they're doing right now called Splits. Now, if you're working, as most people are, online, doing collaborations with people from all over the country, all over the world, as easy as that is with the internet, uh, you want to get those people paid when you put that music online. And splits can do that. You can add an unlimited amount of collaborators to any track. You can change the splits at any time. You can add or remove collaborators at any time. You can see previous splits. And all your collaborators are going to have to do is sign up for a DistroKid membership, a DistroKid account, so they can get paid. And as always, DistroKid never takes a cut. You and your collaborators get 100% of the earnings in total. A couple other awesome things that they do is they set up an official artist YouTube channel. Uh, You can use Spotify Canvas, synced lyrics, promo card to promote your release on social media, a mini video for your socials as well. There's just so many awesome things about using DistroKid. And like I said, I don't advertise things I don't use, haven't signed up for. I have signed up for this. It is a breeze, literally a breeze. And you can get going right away. So definitely check out DistroKid. And I want to give you 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. That is distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for Peer Pleasure Podcast. Once again, that is 30% off your first year's DistroKid membership at any level. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP. Go check out DistroKid right now. distrokid.com slash VIP slash PPP for 30% off. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. Hey guys, this is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I wanted to tell you about Premium Pleasure, our premium subscription service that's available now. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. There's three tiers. Tier one, 
tier two and tier three. Tier one is $5 a month. It gets you the ad-free experience. Tier two gets you access to the Peer Pleasure Passcast. It gets you access to the videos of the interviews. It gets you merch discounts. Tier three is $20 a month. That gets you all of that. It gets you the past cast, gets you the video footage, discounts on merchandise, and monthly Zoom calls well, with myself and other guests. We're going to have all kinds of stuff in there for you. There's all kinds of stuff in there for you now. There is, uh, I believe, 30 to 40 videos of these interviews. There is uh, multiple episodes of the past cast. The past cast is a podcast that I'd started separately that is me and another podcaster or me and a guest. Uh, discussing a deep dive into their favorite episode of Peer Pleasure. Um, so there's a bunch of those on there. So so-and-so and I would talk about the Chino Moreno episode. So-and-so and I would talk about uh, the Yvette Young episodes. And we would do a deep dive and tell where they came from, how we got the guest, stories of uh, that weren't discussed on the podcast or maybe weren't in there. Um, it's just another glimpse behind the curtain. So that's the big deal with this premium service is giving you a glimpse behind the curtain of how the podcast is made, gives you access to things I'm doing and things that we're doing with the show, um, gives you, you know, ad free stuff. It gives you just all kinds of of things that we could throw in there to help make it a valuable part of your month, because I put everything out there on this show. I put everything I have into this show. Um, so being able to give you guys that little bit of extra is a big deal to me and having your support is a big deal to me because if we don't support our artists and creatives, we're not going to have any left. So I appreciate it. Peerpleasure.supportingcast.fm is the website. Go sign up today and get some of this premium pleasure. It definitely changed the band because Vince was like a jazz drummer, uh -huh. lots of dynamic so if you go through like our old videos or like live stuff or even listen to the records, it's way more looser feeling except uh -huh. those, like I said, um, like when we're like, uh, I don't know, everyone's kind of like off doing their own thing in the songs, mm -hmm. but they like sort of like, I don't know, the parts we're playing will cross paths at times yeah. within the course of the song, you know, and, and start to make sense. Mm -hmm. So there was like a lot of that with Vince. Um, like I said, he was really, really into like jazz music Yeah, and not to say that John's not into jazz music, but he's not really a jazz drummer. He's like a punk drummer. Mm -hmm. John like grew up listening to punk music and rock where Vince was like, probably thought punk was like icky, like, ew, <laughs> punk, this, what is this? You know? Yeah. So, so that like dynamic really changed and you could probably hear that in our band now. Like, yeah. We don't, it's like, let's say back then it would have been more of a challenge for Terramelos to be like this really like gut punching thing where it's like, Oh man, this is like so airtight and just like big, which is what I think we're really good at now. And mm -hmm. now it's a little harder for us to like, rein it in and be like let's play quiet i mean like john is not used to playing like quiet drums like yeah. I, if i'm being honest that's like a challenge with us right now mm -hmm. you know whereas back in the day that wasn't the challenge but the challenge was playing you know getting all the bass drums in the right position with mm -hmm. vince and like ha having the guitar lock up like I, my guitar was my guitar playing was really like solid on our first record and then our second record i was like yeah i just want to like fucking relax a bit you mm -hmm. know what i mean because mm -hmm. like when we had the original 
four members with the other guitar player, he was just kind of like winging it a lot. And I was more holding it together with the drums. Mm-hmm. Whereas the second EP was like, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. I kind of want to like go for it. Um, and so that's kind of how the band existed back then where now it's very much together. All mm-hmm. the note, like we think about where our notes go now, you know, and stuff. So, so it's a little more, there's things that are far easier to do now and things that like, you know, maybe I miss every once in a while, but like, we're still, there's, there's nothing missing from our band right now. I think our band is like the best our band has ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, like I have a lot of fun doing it. So it's definitely like what I look forward to the most out of all the musical things I do. Mm-hmm. But definitely when we switch drummers, the band changed. Okay. You know? And, but like what we, we tried out a bunch of different dudes and there was a few guys we even settled on that pulled out that even were like, Hey, I want to do this. And like last minute, like, Nope, can't do it. So after a year of searching for a drummer, like, you know, John didn't even live in California. And at that time, that's crazy. Like, yeah. You know, we weren't a band that could afford plane tickets. We did. We paid for him to come out mm-hmm. and like practice and try out and stuff. But like, that was a pretty crazy thought for, for us to just finally decide on, okay, we're going to have a drummer that lives in Dallas, Texas, even though we live in Northern California. Yeah. So Does he still is, live there? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Did and, you have any fucking weird, weird tryouts with that? Or like people that were like, whoa, this guy's trying out for us? Like, um, well, I mean, we were, we were at that time still a pretty fairly unknown band. Yeah. I mean, I guess I reckon we're kind of still a fairly unknown band, relatively speaking. But back then, it's not like we were having, it wouldn't be like Dillinger Escape Plan trying out drummers. Sure. You know, like when they try out drummers, they, I mean, there must be hundreds of guys and like, oh, Rain and Bozio tried out for them or whoever, <laughs> like name, like drummer names, yeah. you know, there was no like really interesting names, but we definitely, there was one guy, a Bay Area guy that like we practiced with, I don't know, maybe three or four times and he was way different. Like it would have, had he stayed, like actually joined the band, it would have drastically changed. Like he was not a very wild drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, he was sort of like a more mellow, tasteful guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we went and drove to San Francisco a handful of times and played music with him. And Nate and I had the conversation like, okay, like, do we want to do this? Or would we be okay with the band having this personality, this musical personality? And we both were like, yep, I think we can do it and make mm-hmm. this cool. So yeah, we like we decided on that, and then uh, that was one of the things. Like last minute, I believe. I don't even know if we ever heard from him again. It may have been the kind of thing where we just stopped hearing from him, and it was like, you know, I, I get that now. Like that's kind of a scary thing to just join two strangers and mm-hmm. be like, all right, I'm gonna go on tour and do this kind of weird band, you know? Yeah. So after probably a couple of those, we had a couple guys that like were into it and then not into it, and. You know, there was lots and lots of videos and that were close, but no one like really hit it for us, you know, mm-hmm. and actually we're like friends with a lot of those people now. Actually, there's this dude. Um, I just ran into this guy in L.A. recently at the Fender like office uh-huh. and I like I get to the Fender office just for some guitar shit and I'm like, whoa, that's Rodrigo. And he's like, hey, dude. And like. He, he has a fucking one of our like 
chainsaw guys tattooed on his leg. Nice. He tried out for us. He was one of the guys that tried out for us. He was from Arizona originally. So that was like super random. So like we know a lot of the guys now. Like we made friends from people trying out to play drums in our band. But yeah, it was like it was definitely like a weird thing to go through. And we didn't know if our band would still be a band after all that. But eventually, you know, like got in touch with this dude, John, and someone recommended him and he you know, we kind of like made it happen and it just sort of worked out. Nice. Okay. And you guys, so you guys have been with Sergeant house the last few releases. How, how has that been for you guys? I mean, I know they have just a really great roster. We met, I, I want to say it was the tour. We were on tour, I think with poison. Well, and we, I think stayed at that house. That the, wouldn't make sense. The Sergeant, it was there like a lot of, I, I don't want to be, you know, put too much out there, but was there a lot, is there a lot of dogs? Yeah. Yeah. There and there's like stuff there. all over the place. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We stayed yep. there and, uh, we met, what is her name? The, the lady she's Kathy. Kathy. Yeah. We met Kathy. her. She came to our show and I didn't know who she was and I still didn't know who she was till after we left. And I was like, Sarge- Sergeant house. Funny. I know yeah. That label. Okay. And yeah, I think I, I slept in the van that night just cause one person would sleep in the van to guard the gear. And so sure. I didn't actually stay in the house, but I'd been in there, and 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 then it started to make more sense that that's who we were running into. Yeah, um, but yeah, they they have a great roster. I mean, have you enjoyed being on there? And and like, is there some cool stuff that's gone on with Sergeant House that you would put out? there? Yeah, well, we're the the story with that was um, probably yeah, I guess right around two thousand six is like when. We basically like just kind of cold emailed her and said, "Hey, we're this band. Um, you work with some bands that we would like to play shows with." Mm-hmm. I think um, "These Arms Are Snakes" was like kind of one of the ones where like, "Hey, yeah. that band's really cool." Like, and you're managing them now, and we're just the same thing we had done with the booking agent when we just sent them an email like, "Hey, we would like to play shows. We're a hardworking band that like has kind of carved out this very small thing for ourselves that we're ready to expand. Uh-huh. And so we just kind of wrote her and she would just sort of offer up advice through email. Um, you know, and like she, I think she was just observing us from, you know, arm's distance and yeah. like we were getting on tours and playing with you guys and doing stuff for a band that was just some little dorky band from, you know, Sacramento that yeah. like, didn't, we didn't have a record label. We, you know, had self-released that second EP ourselves, like literally spent $2,000 to print the vinyl and, mm-hmm. you know, get it all set up for ourselves. And so I think she was like, Whoa, that's really cool. This band is like, uh, it was maybe even been the kind of thing where it's like, they don't really seem to need me. Uh, so that's kind of a good sign that I actually could help. Them. Yeah. As opposed to being like a band that needs their hand held through fucking everything, which to this day, even being, you know, in a relationship with a, a manager and a record label, 10 years later, it's like, no, no, we know how to buy a van. Yeah. Like, we, we know how to order merch. You know what I mean? Which it's like, it's just so crazy to me now that, like, I mean, I don't know. The, it's, I've, you know, it's like the classic, like, when I was your age, blah, blah, blah. But, <laughs> dude, it's crazy. Like, you don't even need to have been a band that has like toured or like, you know, cut your teeth and you could be on a fucking like awesome record label and going on like big package tours where yep. like, of course that like is frustrating to me. Cause I'm like, man, dude, like 
I guess it's like it really is just different now. But for for us, it was like more of a, a pride thing. It was like, yeah, we like we went through the trenches to get here. Yeah, you know what I mean. Where yeah. like there's not. I feel like nowadays there's not a whole lot of struggle. And actually, with the struggle comes like, man, I'm on a record label and going on tour, but like, why aren't I getting big or whatever? <laughs> or why aren't I selling tons of records? I got a review on Pitchfork. Yeah, you know where it's like. Dude, that's not like maybe a lot of things have changed, but like when it comes down to it, you still need to like fucking be a, a good like band. You yeah. know what I mean? And like be tight and know what you're doing. And I feel like all of the stuff that leads to people, you know, wanting paying twelve bucks to come see your band or whatever like comes from the years of like of struggling and like refining your sound and your performance and mm-hmm. your creativity like we did that i mean obviously there's so many eras of like our band doing that i still think we're doing that you know yeah. like i finally am like okay our band is at the point where we're at our best now not like oh yeah like this cocky thing back in the day 10 years ago we need a manager <laughs> like we like when when kathy eventually did like quote unquote make it official with us which i think that's kind of how it started it was like you know we're like friends and we're always like kind of like hanging out and doing stuff with each other why don't we like make this official and like join my roster and that was like an amazing thing but even back then we weren't like we need a fucking manager yeah and we would have we would have like friends bands even like close friends of ours like hey you guys have a manager do you think like you know we like we're thinking we need a manager and it's like why why would you need a manager what do you need manage you guys don't do anything you know what i mean or like have you done like two years of like relentless like touring where you like lost money or you know like went through multiple vans or dealt with like idiots booking like go i don't know just i remember you know like going through like a jangly booking agent like hey i can book you guys a tour which fucking sucked and we had to cancel halfway through because the tour was so awful yeah you know like stuff like that like you got to go through all that stuff to like i don't know to make it like this important thing and to grow with it and so just nowadays it doesn't feel like anyone really has to do that there's definitely bands that do that still but it's just like a weird dynamic now you know so for us to like to make it official with you know, having a cool record label and someone that's like helping our band, AKA managing it, you know, and like, mm-hmm. and, and like telling us, no, no, that's actually a dumb idea. Don't do that. You know, do this instead. It's like, Oh yeah, we hadn't thought of that. Like it has been like a really cool thing, you know, to have someone along for the ride. And still to this day, we're very hands-on. It's not the, like, you know, like we basically exist the way we want to exist. And for the most part, like we always see eye to eye and sometimes they're like, really, you want to do that? Fuck. And then like, <laughs> we're arguing about it, but like, you know, it's never bigger picture stuff. We always land, you know, together on something where, you know, even if like it, it is some far out thing we want to do or some fucked up dumb music video, that's like getting, we're going to get heat for or something, you know, like <laughs> in the end, it doesn't matter. Like bigger picture stuff. Like we're not, we're the type of, I guess maybe after our last record, we realized like what, where our, our band will rest in like the history of like whatever this kind of the world that we're a part of uh-huh. musically, you know? And it's like, you know, we're not going to be like a big band that gets like a bunch of hype or 
overnight buzz. We're just going to continue doing what we do. And I think people will grow with us because maybe like they think it's this genuine, authentic thing that we offer, you know, Mm -hmm. creatively Mm -hmm. and people like will hopefully, you know, stick with it and it'll be a nice slow burn. You know what I mean? Yep. As opposed to like overnight. Oh fuck! Here we go, guys. Get ready. Yep. You know, it's never been that with our band. I think that's better, actually, for your band. I mean, the slow grow. I mean, those people are going to stick with you instead of a flash in the pan. You know, and they bail the first chance of any kind totally. of change. You know, and you guys change a lot. It's so, I mean, if you get that quick overnight success, you could be dead in the water the next record because they're like, "What the fuck is this?" You know. Yeah, and you said yeah. the music video. The music videos are the best. People, listen, I'm going to put a link on the website to to the stuff. But I mean, the music videos are unreal. I love it. I love cool, it. thanks. And I can see. I, it, I mean, knowing you guys, like, I, I it's just it's special to me to see it because I just like I know exactly what you're thinking with this, or you know, and and uh, that's always cool to see. And like, literally, everyone is better than the next. It's so awesome. <laughs> cool. That's great to hear. But, yeah, I, I remember like. You know, so one one thing, I guess, uh, a specific example about just wanting to just grow in our own way and not pay attention to this or that is like, you know, we did a video for uh, the song Bite off our last record. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like the very Japanese kind of crazy one with crazy colors and shit. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> we'd all decided to do it through the Vivo network, whatever that is. Uh, I don't it's know, like do the, you know, what the YouTube with less rules or something like that. Well, or content. I think I think Vivo is a YouTube channel that maybe it's like kind of like an MTV type thing where you can like let's say maybe you could go to a Vivo playlist or something uh-huh. and just like ha- I don't know like play you could maybe it's like a uh, what was that like a Pandora type thing okay Pandora like a Radio streaming where, deal. Maybe, maybe i don't know i could be like so wrong about this but like you click on a um modest mouse video uh-huh. and then it just sort of like if you like this put, you'll like this and put maybe something like that okay i i think i don't remember but I, like when we when we did our last record it was like okay let's do a v let's do the vivo thing and so we like that video bite went up on a vivo channel or something uh-huh. and you know, it got like a lot of views because you you automatically reach more people through a service like that. But I remember, um, like when it went up, it was immediately the con- the YouTube comment section was like, "Fags, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Why did I waste my fucking time with these fags?" Oh you my know, god, stuff like that. And we were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> uh, right." And uh-huh. so. Like, you know, now we know, like, okay, doing the Vivo thing or stuff like that, that is going to help, you know, give us exposure to bigger audiences. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know that we really fit into that sort of thing yeah. as much as a band that's not us. <laughs> uh. So that's just like sort of like, you know, one example of things where we just have considered that aren't the best thing and. Yeah, it's it's nice over the years to try new things, but maybe the, now is the time where we're learning really what our band is, and like I said, where our place will rest, and uh-huh. what what the best path for us is. Which is kind of just like you know, we've always been the band to carve out our own path and yep. tour with this band or 
make this music video or this weird EP or whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, we'll just, we, we know what we're doing. I think at this point and to stay on that path is probably the smartest thing for us to do. Yeah. And you're going to, I mean, you that integrity you're going to carry with you. And, and at the end of your career, you're gonna be able to say, I did exactly what I wanted to do. You know, I didn't do anything yeah. for anyone else. And that's, that is, that's so meaningful nowadays. Cause it's just so, I mean, anybody can create content anyone can put it out there and the whole world can see it instantaneously and it's such a crazy thing to think about i mean with the podcasting like i i post this up on sunday nights like 10 or 11 at night so it's there for the morning commute just as kind of like hey you know here you go every week and the second i push that button it's available to anyone in the world with internet it's absolutely crazy and i look at the stats and i'm i mean people in korea are listening to this thing like the second Pretty I press crazy. it, and you don't you don't think about that, and but but it's that easy to get content out to everyone in the world, and well, it never was before. Right, and so yeah, no, I mean obviously, well, that's like a whole other conversation, but that is yeah. like basically one of the craziest things to be like an artist right now mm-hmm. is just so insane, and <laughs> and I mean, dude, like I give. Same thing, like, uh, sometimes I do online guitar lessons. Uh-huh. I've yeah. done, uh, like, guitar lessons with people all over the world through Skype. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, someone in Brazil? Okay. Well, that's a pretty fucked up internet connection you got there, but uh-huh. let's do it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, just, and actually, I guess to kind of tie that back to our band, I, since our band started, we were always tried to be very connected to, like, people that like our band because even today it's still like a humbling thing that Mm -hmm. people like our band it's like really cool that for the most part it's our career and like we make our living off of creating this thing and people like it so Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. still has not ceased to blow my mind that people pay and like support you for creating this art that's really cool and so from the very beginning it was like wanting to just, uh, uh, you know, be connected to those people. Cause it's like, man, you're doing that. Like you're my friend. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you're going to pay like 15 bucks for this vinyl or whatever. Like, dude, that's super cool. Like we should be friends, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And like, obviously that gets harder over the years. Cause whatever we, we grow up and it's maybe a little harder to stay connected, but I just, now how easy it is through social media shit and internet and you know whatever even just someone coming to your shows it like we've always been a very hands-on band and wanted to like be connected with people that like what we're doing Mm -hmm. and so now that that has become that much easier and everyone does that now even with like a twitter account it's like dude I, i could tweet fucking brad pitt you know, and I, like I might have to tweet him one thousand times, but they're, like he might actually get back to me, and yeah. that's insane. Yeah, or, or not for me. Like I would have tweet Brad Pitt a thousand times, but like oh, you fucking I, should. I remember, for instance, like yeah, report <laughs> yeah. back to me on this. I want to see this. <laughs> now you have nothing. You're you're a clean slate right now. You have you have time to tweet Brad Pitt. Yeah, I'm gonna tweet him a thousand oh, times. If you could just tweet experiment. him sound bites, little sound bite snippets but, of like, his insane guitar. <laughs> actually, like this is like kind of a dorky one, but when I was, I don't know, like 16. Well, let's yeah, let's just a kid. Yeah. To have known that I could like contact Rivers Cuomo would have been the most <laughs> fucking crazy thing ever. 
to be like, oh my God, like, dude, I can like go, like go on the internet and say hi to Rivers and like, uh-huh. he's going to see that. I remember like, uh, I must, when did Weezer reunite? I think they reunited in 2000 and like there was a big community, like Weezer had um, a message board called the Weezer Rebel Alliance, uh-huh. which was through like Weezer.net or something. And it was like their dorky kind of like cult following, yeah. you know, that like had stuck with them through the Pinkerton years or whatever. And so um, when they reunited, like it was super happening and everyone was like, you know, there was a lot of chatter about, whoa, Weezer getting back together. And if, if you were like in the know, you knew Weezer had this guy, they're like kind of fifth member is this guy named Carl. And he did a lot of like the filming. Maybe he did sound for them. He was like their buddy that mm-hmm. hung around since like 92 or whatever, when Weezer was created. And so Carl was the dude in the band that could be gotten to like, you could see Carl walking around before the show or whatever, you know, yeah, like or back, Back in the day, you could, or, or like, and he was the one that I think ran the website. So, um, I remember being like, okay, whoa, Weezer's reuniting. So I put together, like, I was going to go see them at a uh-huh. show, and uh, uh, well, I saw them. They played Warp Tour, then I went and saw them play in 2000 at, in Sacramento at uh-huh. uh, the Crest Theater. And I brought a package. I had like a little Manila envelope that I just, I don't know, stuffed with some shit. I think some stickers and maybe like my punk band demo or whatever it was and like a letter or something just some shit you know but i was like i can if i can get this to carl if i could find carl walking around at the show like it's kind of the myth is that like oh get to carl and he's he's the one the connection with the band Uh then maybe i could get my stuff to one of my favorite bands and like one of my favorite you know whatever songwriters yeah and so i found carl at the show like, I think he was at the soundboard, like, hanging out. Maybe uh-huh. he was doing lights or something. And I found him and gave him the manila envelope full of shit, you know. And that was, like, such a special thing. I couldn't believe, like, fucking I made it happen. <laughs> and so now what I'm getting at is, like, that's the version of sending a tweet. Yeah. It's as easy as, like, at Rivers Cuomo, tweet. Hi, here's a link to my fucking art or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so that's like, it's so crazy. And so for, to me, to me, I always like really valued a connection to the, you know, your artist that you were really into, even though back then, I mean, you could be a part of like a fan club, but even that wasn't a guaranteed like connection to the artist, you know, but like, it was always so cool thinking like, Oh dude, how, how rad would it be if I like, could somehow be in contact with this person and now obviously that magic doesn't exist even though the contact with your like artist or someone that like you're really inspired by mm-hmm. that exists but the magic behind it doesn't exist because it's just there exactly. it's like commonplace now you yep. know it wasn't like having to go find carl at the show and like plan out your night like okay i gotta get there early and i gotta fucking google what carl looks like you know and then like i'm walking around the venue like fuck i think that might be him all right here yeah. we go actually google wouldn't have been around you would have mm-hmm. yahoo searched it back then yeah <laughs> <laughs> but so anyways i'm just getting out like i've always really valued that kind of magical connection yeah and from when we started the band to make sure that that connection was open like to people that were 
supporting us and into what we were doing, I always thought that was a really cool thing. And even to this day, we still try and do that and stay connected. And now everyone is connected to their fans. Like I said, Rivers Mm -hmm. Cuomo will fucking like respond to you. And maybe Brad Pitt, if he has a fucking Twitter, he will respond to you too. So everyone does it now, but like, it's almost like, yeah, but like we've always done it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Fucking whatever. But so anyways, I just, it is cool that like everything is so connected now and you can hit upload and someone in Korea is going to be into it and they can just immediately send you a message back and be like, Hey, cool, cool podcast. Or, you know, I like this new song from Terramelos, like greetings from fucking Alaska or Antarctica or, yeah. you know, the North pole or whatever, or, you know, it's all really, really neat. And for us, that's always been a special thing that we've been into. Yeah, dude. And I tried that Twitter thing once and I, tweeting at somebody. Cause I, I started Twitter for this podcast. I'd never had it really before. I had it for myself, but I never used it. And I tweeted at Jesse Michaels, a singer for operation Ivy. And I was like, dude, Come on my podcast, blah blah blah, and then he tweeted back and said, "There you go, dude. Sorry, no more punk interviews ever. I'm done for life. But thanks for <laughs> offering." And I just said, I tweeted back at Jesse Michaels, dude. Well, at the very least, thanks for changing my life forever, which he did. And he said, "Yeah." No, he tweeted back, "Yeah, no problem." <laughs> yeah, I mean that. So, like that is crazy to be able to have that. Like, yeah, communicate with someone like that i think i took a screenshot picture of it and i was like holy shit jesse michaels just tweeted at me you know and it's hilarious to say it that way so what you need to do is you need to tweet brad pitt but what you need to say is hey i loved you in between two ferns with zach galifianakis what else have you been in because yeah that was the most hilarious (laughs) fucking episode of that show but to pretend like you have no fucking idea who he is that might get his response in one in one tweet yeah, there I you almost go. guarantee it. You be like, what? No, I have, have a, uh, I have a screenshot of fucking Henry Rollins tweeting about Terramellos a few years ago. I was just going to ask pretty- you if you'd been on his show. I I was trying to get him on the podcast, and we email back and forth every once in a while. And but he had like no days off for like six months. He's like, I can't do it on a show day. Maybe next year. Uh, same with. Uh, uh, Ian Mackay, I think he's going to come wow. on next year. I emailed him out of the blue, just emailed him like, Hey dude, love what you've done. You know, I know you do interviews all the time, but I, it's a long shot. I had to ask. And he's like, dude, I'm taking a break from interviews till the first of the year. Email me after Christmas and let's do it. I was like, wow. are you fucking Amazing. kidding me? So, yeah. okay, there we go. But yeah, yeah, I remember you tweeting that out, but did he put you on the, the radio show? Uh, so on KCRW somehow, when we put out Patagonian Rats in 2010, I think, he just got a copy of it. Uh-huh. And, like, yeah, I don't think it's the kind of thing where he, like, tweeted a whole lot about bands. Yeah. And I, it was just, it was so Rollins. I forget exactly what it was, but it was, like, maybe I'll, like, find it and send it to you or something. But Very it was super cool. It was, like, so crazy. Like, man, Henry Rollins fucking t- tweeted about us that's insane yeah you know like like i said he had just gotten a hold of the record somehow and, just, and yeah i think he played it on his show cool a couple times we, like we knew i think at that point we had maybe met mike watt and so maybe there was like a mike watt connection there okay. too or something and yeah. mike watt had played us on his radio show but yeah i mean so i i definitely like value the rollins tweet probably a little more than i would the brad pitt tweet but yeah the brad pitt tweet would be fucking insane well, as now well, you can so. use the you do the uh, collage software and put them together <laughs> 
<laughs> Loved you in between two ferns. Yeah, Have you done anything else? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Or I could just like hit like Brad Pitt with like a thousand links to our music videos until he watches one. And, exactly. And then it's just like maybe his response would just finally be like, okay. A dot dot dot, and that would be enough. For <laughs> or me. just go to the next Weezer show and give a Brad Pitt envelope to Carl, and just see what yeah. happens. Blow his mind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, that that could work. Dude, as well. these possibilities are endless. You should just quit playing music and do these fucked up things to people and videotape it. <laughs> You'd be the next sensation. Jeez, oh, that's like man, that sounds like a million dollar idea where I just like videotape me doing fucked up stuff. Just wow. give envelopes to people for different <laughs> actors to Hey man, I hear you're Steven. No, I'm Rick. No, dude, you gotta take this envelope. This is what I need you to do. You know. There's not there's not a bomb in this envelope. Yeah. Don't worry. No I'm bomb. I'm gonna drop this backpack by you and run. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Totally legit. <laughs> But like, but like the actual like craziest thing is like I do this thing where I say that there's not a bomb, but there actually is a bomb, and I just go around like killing all these celebrities. <laughs> that would be like that'd be super crazy if you actually think about it. Yeah, it would you be know? crazy if because like, I could didn't get, get way a million famous. Plays. If it yeah, didn't even make exactly. a million views and it failed, yeah, that would be the weirdest fucking thing. Yeah, and then I just kind of go down as this dude who like came up with the idea on this podcast that he did where he just like starts like blowing up celebrities with envelopes <laughs> and films it. <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah. that, that would definitely like cement the Terramelos like legacy. Like then our band might become an overnight like buzz band. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then so. the next day just be done. Yeah. Dude, we really idea. went down a rabbit hole here. Yeah. <laughs> we went there. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Well, Nick, dude, it's been awesome having you on the show. I really appreciate you coming on. I know it took a little while, and I appreciate you uh, getting back to me and, and coming on. And I've had a really good time, dude. And I don't want to yeah, take yeah, much more of your you. time. We're a little over an hour, so yeah, um, we'll we'll have to do another one down the line. We'll, yeah, dude, we'll catch up. We'll talk some envelope bombs. Fuck yeah, you know, <laughs> we're talk some Terramelos music videos, talk envelope suppliers, you know? and. Uh, yeah print shops <laughs> cool man well yeah well thanks so much dewey sorry it took me a sec to to get on board but yeah no happy to do all, it man. thank you hope, Nick. hope yeah thanks dewey talk to you later all right buddy take care bye all right bye all right guys well that was my first episode on adobe radio with nick reinhardt from terra Mellos. like i say we are on purepleasurepodcast.com we are on instagram and twitter and the full version of this episode We'll air on iTunes uh, after this airs on Adobe. So if you're listening to this on Adobe and you want to download the version, listen to it again, you can also find the the episode on adobe.com. But iTunes, follow our RSS feed, and you'll get everything you need to know from there. Uh, You'll get all the uh, alerts and messages when new episodes come up. And definitely check out the other shows on Adobe. There's some cool stuff on here. Some other Jabberjaw shows uh, like Break It Down with Matt Carter and the my carrera hour Um, but once again thanks again for listening to the show really glad to have you we hope to hear you back here every week on sundays at uh, 5 p.m eastern so we'll see you soon and thanks for listening
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.